1: Well, good morning, everyone. Great to have you with us today. As uh, as was mentioned in the announcements, the uh, Clark family will be here this week. Uh, so make sure you're praying for them as they are moving and they're doing all the work involved in the moving. And if any of you are able to help uh, in uh, helping them move in, please let us know because we want to bless them and help them in that way. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 20 for our continuation of our study called The Ten Great Words for Life, where we are looking at the, uh, really it's a fresh look at the Ten Commandments that God gave. These Ten Commandments are not just merely uh, a list of regulations and rules and laws. They are really about the heart of humanity. It's about making sure your heart is right with the Lord. And so as we have done every week, we're going to read through all of the commandments, getting to the one that we are at today. And my goal in that every week is that these really start to stick with you and you really start to have a deep grasp and understanding of the Ten Commandments as, as you keep going through life. Let's look at these together starting in Exodus chapter 20 verse 1. Starts with these words. Then God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord. That is Adonai in Hebrew, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, remember, we set the stage. The context was, I set you free. Therefore, here's what I want you to do in response. And that's a good message to all of us. When God sets you free. From the bondage of sin, when he sets you free and saves you, this is what he is expecting in return. As I have set you free, have no other gods. Worship me. And that's really about worship. It's worshiping God with all of my heart. Do you worship him with all of your heart? Uh second command was this, verse 4. Do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers... Upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my command, my mitzvot in Hebrew. And so, what that was about is surrender. I worship God. Now, am I surrendering to Him and allowing Him to sit on the throne of my heart? Or does something else sit in that place? Or do you sit in the throne of your heart? So, we have the first two commands I worship God and I sit sit down and I bow down to him, allowing him to be on the throne. He is my king and I am his servant. Uh, the command, uh, Commandment number three is about how we represent the king who sits on the throne. You must not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. And that is how I represent the God who sits on the throne of my heart, who I bow down and worship. The next command, number four. Remember Yom Shabbat, the day of Sabbath, to keep it holy. You were to work six days and do your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat to Adonai, your God. In it, you shall not do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, nor the outsider that is within your gates. Remember, that was about learning to rest in and abide in our God, whom we represent well, who sits on the throne of our hearts, who we worship. Then we turn the corner, into now relating to other people. How is this going to change the way we relate to other people? Well, the first one was this. Now... In response, he says this, I want you to honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land which Adonai, your God, is giving you. So now we learn to honor and view people with intrinsic value and respect. Remember, they are, people are image bearers of God. And so as a fellow image bearer of God, how are you viewing them? Do you view them with honor and respect, with value, as someone that God has created, so it's honoring father, mother, elders, and others in your life. The next command: Do not murder. And what was that about? It's about honoring life. But it's not just the act of murder. It is dealing with something deeper in our hearts, and that is the anger that many people carry deeply in their hearts that will lead to the ang- or to an act of murder somewhere down the line. So, have you dealt with the anger? That is in your heart. Last week, we looked at the next command do not commit adultery, and that was about honoring marriage, but it's honoring God's view of sexuality, and it's really about wanting to do things God's way, and in particular, it's dealing with the lusts that we carry beyond the lust of just a sexual lust, but it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that the Bible tells us about. Well, that brings us to. The eighth command, and today's eighth command, we'll have two more after this, the eighth command is this, do not steal. These last commands have been very simple, very, very easy to understand, three words, four words at the most. Today, just simple three words, do not steal. What we're going to look at today is honoring property, but it's even more than just that. It's really about what we have talked about the last several weeks, it's all about the heart. Let's pray as we get into this message today and understand how this is an issue, again, of our hearts. Father, help us to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say to communicate your truth here today the way that we need to hear it. I pray, Father, that you would show us what you want us to learn, that you would help us, Lord, to understand your truth and help us to walk in your truth. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, Lord, just teach us how these things impact our hearts and our lives and help us to be fully and completely surrendered to you. Lord, as we take communion a little bit later in this service, I pray that this would be a special time and a way for us to hear from you. Thank you. We love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Again, three simple little words, do not steal. Now... This command is again more than just the act of thie- uh, thievery. That's, it's more than that. It's about something deeper. It's all. About the heart. Now, we probably all have stories about something that we have taken in the past that doesn't belong to us. Do you remember times as a child where you took something that did not belong to you? Maybe it was a little toy that you took. Maybe it was something from the store that you happened to put in your pocket as a little kid. Maybe it didn't stop at being a little kid. Maybe it's carried on to adulthood as well. My mom, this past week, we were, I went over and was having a coffee with my mom and dad. And uh, she was telling me a story about when she was a little girl in elementary school, how she had seen a little eraser that a a friend had, and uh, she took that eraser because she really liked it, and she put it in the pencil box in her desk. However, because she had that stolen object in her desk, she didn't feel like she could get up and leave her desk. She had to stay there and guard it the rest of the day she was so afraid that somebody would find this out. Well, eventually she had to get up and use the restroom and sure enough, as soon as she got back, the teacher was standing at her desk having opened her pencil box and and pulled out the eraser that was in her box and she knew she was caught at that moment. The worst part of it though was that the teacher then escorted my mom across the hallway to where her father was the teacher of the uh, classroom across the hallway. He was a former military man and his punishment I'm sure was se- uh, se- uh, se- severe and very swift uh, for her. Now that led to a lifelong uh, really problem my mom has had with kleptomania uh, throughout the rest of her life. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mom, <laughs> mom if you're watching, I am kidding <laughs> about that. But we all have stories like that, how these little things uh, have affected our lives. Today, Stealing is a rampant problem in our society, and really, it's just a reflection on the heart of mankind and humanity in our society today. We've probably all seen the stories and the videos about people just loading up things, carrying them with them right out of the store, knowing that I will not be prosecuted, I will not be persecuted, I will not have to be held accountable for my decisions, and they will just walk out of the store with things. And we We've seen this happening more and more across our culture today where that is becoming more and more rampant. And what it tells us is that the hearts of people have grown hard and cold toward God, toward each other, and toward any moral and ethical principles that we used to carry and we used to really uh, hold on to. It's Again, it's all about the heart. So in these commandments, we've looked at things like murder. It's more than just murder. It's the heart. We've looked at adultery. It's more than adultery. It's about the heart. Now we're looking at stealing. It's more than the act of stealing. It's really about The heart, all Christian ethics and morality stem from not legislation, they stem from the heart. And if you want to get a hold of a society, you've got to get a hold of the heart of people. I would encourage you and challenge you to really become like it says in the book of Joshua, what Joshua said to the people of Israel when he said to them these words, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves this day who you will follow, who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is what God is after. Why would God include this command to us at this time? Why would he include it in his word? And again, because it's not about the act as much as it is about the heart of humanity. I want to give you some examples of what's going on in our society. Now, this is not just a problem for unbelievers. This is a problem as well for the evangelical community. I would say this to you, and I would, I'm not going to ask you this right now. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But if I were to ask each one of you who has been tempted or has actually done it in the past month, who has either been tempted or has taken something in the past month that did not belong to them, I'd just love to see a show of hands. Now, I'm not going to do that to you today. It's a problem. Not just in unbelievers, it's a problem in society today as well. Let me read you some statistics here. While very few of us would be tempted to pull off armed robbery, if the situation was just right, it could be very, very tempting to take what did not belong to us. A study found that 40% of the population will steal not only if the opportunity arises, but will also create the opportunity whenever possible. 40% of society would either create the opportunity or take advantage of the opportunity if it presented itself. There are another 40% that said that they will steal if there's very little danger of ever getting caught. That's 80% of society that says, I will either take something, I will create the opportunity, and especially if there's no danger that I'm going to get caught. That leaves 20% who say that they will not steal at all. I I would venture to say, though, that that 20% would be at least tempted to steal if there was no chance of getting caught, if it was something that they really needed and could use, if it was a small item that would be missed, if it was something that the company had that they could take advantage of. The temptation is there whether or not people actually go through with it. So stealing is a very real problem. Now, according to a 2019 Forbes News article, the thing that's called inventory shrinkage is really a major problem in in business. Now, have you heard the term inventory shrinkage? Some of you have. What inventory shrinkage is this, it's defined in this way. It's defined as employee theft, shoplifting, vendor fraud, and administrative error. That's inventory shrinkage. It is such a problem that it cost businesses $46.8 billion because of what people have done. This is a problem and a picture of the decay of what's happened in society. Do you know who pays the price for that $46.8 billion? You do. Consumers do because it gets tacked on to the purchase price of things that you will buy later. So this is a major problem. On top of that, you have another $15 billion worth of uh, of victims. Uh, It's 23 million Americans that have been victimized by identity theft. So these are major problems that happen, but all they are doing is showing and highlighting a widespread problem in society. So this is why God deals with this. This is why he addresses this, because it's a issue of the heart and if you want to get a hold of society you've got to get a hold of the heart you can't legislate and regulate and put laws into practice that's not going to fix the problem the problem is the heart of humanity and that's where the problem has to be fixed so today I just want to look at where all of this stems from before we get into our time of communion let's define the word first. It says, God said, do not steal. The word steal means this. It just means to to thieve or to deceive, to carry away, secretly bring, to get by stealth. Again, it's not as much about the act as it is about the heart. I want to look at something that the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 in dealing with this issue this morning. So let's look at this together. Ephesians 4 Verses 17 through 28. A little bit lengthier part that I'm going to be reading, but I think it's going to be relevant to what we're going to talk about today. Here's what Paul says. He says these words. He's speaking to the church in Ephesus. So we could also say that he could be speaking to the church in Gillette today. He's speaking to Journey Church. He's speaking to you and I today as he writes these words to the church in Ephesus. Here's what it says. Paul says, so I tell you this indeed. I tell you this. Indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. You, you and I, walk no longer as the pagans. Who are the pagans? Well, that's all of society. Don't be like the, the rest of America. Be different. Don't be like them, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. Their minds are a mess. They're darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. What have we been saying in this? It's all about the heart. You want to get a hold of society? Get a hold of the heart. You want to change society? Change the heart. They're walking around in the hardness of their heart, which is why their minds are such a mess, which is why you're seeing the things that you see all around you. It's a hardness of heart. Since they are past feeling, they have turned themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of immorality with greed for more. However, you, us, Journey Church, you didn't didn't learn Jesus this way. You didn't learn Messiah this way, if you really learned about him, if you really you've heard about him. And we're taught in Him as truth is in Jesus, Yeshua. with respect to who you used to be, your former way of life, your former lifestyle, you're to lay aside the old self, corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is he saying? He's saying, "Don't be like the rest of society. Their minds are a mess. Their hearts are hard. You be different. If you really have heard of Jesus, it will drastically change who you are. If it hasn't changed who you are, maybe you don't really know him. If, you've ch- if you know him, start acting like it. Start being like him. Start being holy and righteous in the way that he has made you. Then he goes on to say this. So, lay aside lying And each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give the devil a foothold. Now look what he ends this with. This is our command today. The one who steals must steal no longer. If you've had a problem with stealing, it ends. Steal no longer. Instead, he must work doing something useful with his own hands so he may have something to share with the one who has need. So all that Paul just said is really similar to all of the commands that we have been studying. Deal with your anger, deal with the lying, deal with your dishonesty, Deal with be loving and honoring to people by speaking the truth with them. Don't steal any longer. Be different in who you are as a result of Jesus coming into your life. So here's what happens. You will have a heart change. And when you have an internal heart change, here's what you will notice. You will change from selfishness to service. You will change from taking to giving. You will change from thinking of only your needs to starting to think about the needs of others. You're going to change from laziness to hard work, from deception to honesty, and from irresponsibility to responsibility. That's what a heart change begins to look like in your life lived out when you truly come to the Lord. It's all about the heart. And that's what we've been talking about. This whole issue is an issue of the heart. So really quickly, As quickly as I can, we're going to cover where stealing tends to stem from in our hearts. So let's look at this together. Number one, stealing often stems from a lack of genuine transformation, that's where it stems from. Most often, stealing stems from a lack of genuine transformation. Now, what is stealing? Well, stealing is taking what does not belong to you. And it could be as simple as a small little eraser or as big as something major in life. It could be not paying the taxes that you should be paying. It could be not reporting the things that you should be reporting. It could be taking things that belong to the organization that you work for. Whatever it is, that's the picture of stealing. And I believe God will put on your heart when you are doing what is dishonest and deceitful in his eyes. Stealing, though, stems from a lack of genuine transformation. Why do I say this? Because this is what Jesus says. Mark chapter 7, look at what Jesus says. For from within, out of the heart of men. Okay, where does it stem from? From the heart. From within the heart of men. This is where it all begins. Come evil intentions, sexual immorality. Notice the word. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustfulness, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and make the man unholy. Now, do any of those strike a bell? These are all commands that God talked about in Exodus 20. And where do they come from? It's not a list of rules and regulations. It comes from the heart. And if you want to change, it has to be a heart change. But if you have not had a heart change, these things are not going to change for you. Now... All of this carries serious consequences. Stealing carries serious consequences according to Paul. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul says this. Or don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, those who practice homosexuality, thieves, there's thieves what we're talking about, the greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. That is what some of you were. Notice past tense, were. But you were washed, you were made holy, you were set right in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and by the Spirit of God. So God transforms us. Where does stealing come from? Well, A lack of genuine transformation. What is the cure? To be genuinely transformed. That I trust Jesus and I accept him into my heart and I allow him to change me from the inside out. And that's where all change begins. Number two, stealing stems from a temporal value system. What is a temporal value system? It's where I really put a lot of value in things that do not matter. Things that are material things for the here and now that just don't matter. I have a way too much interest or way too much investment into the things of this world that do not matter. Well, Jesus again addresses this. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven." where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. And where your treasure is, look at, look at it again, there your heart will be also. So again, it's about the heart. Saying, look, you guys are treasuring this way too much. You're living life like this material stuff really matters. You're all out of whack. Instead of having a temporal value system, maybe have an eternal value system. Because the things here and now don't matter. What matters is eternity. Now, you can always tell if somebody has a very temporal value system because they will look at things rather than God as the key to happiness. They will look at things rather than God as the key to success and status. And they will look at things rather than God as the key to future security. And if that's what you're doing, perhaps you have a very temporary value system. So how do we cure this? We start to establish biblical priorities rather than temporary materialistic priorities. Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He says, But those who want to be rich, they fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of evil. Some longing for it have gone astray from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you... O man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Instead of having a temporary view of the world, start living life for eternity. The things of the world just don't matter. They're nice, they're convenient, they're fun, but you can't live like these things are gonna matter because if you do, your heart is not where God wants it to be. Number three, stealing stems from not trusting God to supply your needs. I just don't trust him, so I've got to take. I've got to take what doesn't belong to me. A person who steals is obviously not trusting God, but they are also disobeying God, and they're probably justifying it in their thinking, thinking I've got to do what I've got to do to survive. People owe it to me. And so what they're Essentially saying is this, I don't trust you, God. You're not going to come through, so I'm going to take. One of the great Christian debates that has often happened, happens in Christian ethics discussions are these. Is it okay to steal if I am starving and in need? Do you know Martin Luther actually addressed that? You know who the name Martin Luther is? Really the founder of the Lutheran church church. Martin Luther once had a story where he was walking by a corn mill, and there were some peasants that were breaking into the me, the mill. And he looked at them and he yelled at them and said, "What do you think you're doing?" And they said, terrifyingly answering him, "We know it's not right to steal. We know it's wrong, but after all, we have to live." Martin Luther looked at them and said, "This. I, I really don't think that one has to live, but one has to be honest." See, see, I have to trust God even in the down times of life that God, you're going to come through for me. And even if I die, that's okay because I'm gonna be with you. I can't compromise my ethics and my, my morality. I can't compromise my heart. Instead, I'm gonna have to live with you. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray these words. Give us this day our daily bread. That is God, I will trust you With my finances, I will trust you with your provision. I will trust you to provide what I need to survive. And if I can't get it any other way, then I will perish. I will not compromise or back down on what you have done. I won't compromise or back down on the ethics that I have because I fully and completely trust in you. Number four, stealing stems from laziness. Do you know that that's where a lot of it just stems from? It's just lazy people who aren't willing to work. Do you know that the, the Bible is full of verses that talk about laziness? The book of Proverbs says this, the slacker's soul craves yet has nothing, but the diligent soul will be satisfied. Laziness is I don't want to work hard. I don't want to work for it. I just want to take it. I want to steal it. I want it to be mine, which is a, a really going against everything that God has said. A cure for stealing really is just assuming responsibility and hard work. Paul says this in the verses we read earlier. Instead, he must work, doing something useful with his own hands. You know the word work there is the word labor, toil. And it actually is hard work. Do you know that that's a biblical principle? That you work and you work hard. That God designed you for that. That we are not to be lazy and be tempted to steal, but actually to work hard. Finally, stealing stems from selfishness and greed. And this is really where it all comes down to. This is about the heart from selfishness and greed. Thieves are selfish and they're greedy. And they do not care about others or think about others' needs, only their needs and what they want. They often take advantage of others and often think they owe it to me or I deserve it. They don't pay me enough. I deserve to take this. They did wrong to me. I deserve to take this. They have more than I have. I deserve to take this, I deserve it, it's all about me, it's all about my needs and no one else, which is, by the way, what narcissism really is. See, that could really describe our society today, a society filled with people who live life all about themselves, thinking of no one else, how does this affect me? I deserve it, they owe it to me. If you wanna get a hold of society, you've gotta get a hold of the heart. Paul said that in Ephesians 4.28, so he may have something to share with the one who has need. That's how you cure this. You start thinking outside of yourself. So how do you, how do you cure all of, the, all of this? You deal with the heart. You get a hold of the heart. And you begin to say, I want to follow God's principle. I want to obey him. I want to trust in him. I want to lean into him and rely upon him. It's not about me. It's about God. It's not about me. It's about his provision. It's not about what I am owed. It's what I owe him. And I owe him everything. That's how you deal with the problem. But again, the problem is all about the heart. That's what these commands are really getting to. Every one of the commands is about your heart. Who do you worship in your heart? Who sits on the throne of your heart? How do you represent the king from your heart? How do you abide in him and rest in him in your heart? How do you honor elders and other people around you seeing value? It starts in your heart. How do you deal with the anger and the murdering issues of life? It starts in your heart. How do you deal with adultery and lust? It starts in your heart. How do you deal with stealing and the temptation to steal? It starts. In your heart, see that's really the good. That's the good questions to ask as we go into communion today. Communion is a great ch- uh, chance for reflection and really making sure you're right with the Lord, and that's what we're going to do here this morning. We are going to take communion together, and as we take communion, I want to encourage you to allow God to do some soul searching in your heart. That you would say, "Do I really worship the King from my heart? Do I really allow Him to sit on the throne?" Of my heart? Am I really representing Him well from my heart? Am I abiding in Him and resting in Him from my heart? Am I honoring others from my heart? Have I dealt with the anger in my heart? Have have I dealt with the lust of my heart? Have I dealt with the desire to steal in my heart? Am I allowing God to change my heart? Father, we thank you that we can share in this communion. We thank you that we can share in the remembrance of your body and blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be made right from the inside out. Lord, transform our hearts, transform our minds, and help us to be who you want us to be. Help us to not pretend to be followers, but to be committed, firmly committed, fully committed followers of yours. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus'
0: name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the Internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.